You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading energy analyst David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by Evergen, providing fully integrated and optimised energy intelligence and storage for residential and commercial sites. And Solaray, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Energy Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and joining me as as usual, ITK analyst David. How are you? Giles, I'm well. Uh, recovering from a tough two days at the um, Clean Energy uh, Council Summit, uh, one of the major events of the year for the industry. Look, it was, and it was extraordinary, the number of people that were there. Um, I think there's about a thousand people at the dinner um, on the Tuesday night, which is actually more than went to the conference, Um, about 800 or 900 people, I think, at the conference, which was, um, um, yeah, quite quite amazing. Um, What did you take away most? What was was the highlight of the conference for you? Um, Look, there were a lot of different things uh, talked about at the conference, but for me, the discussion about Kogarty, which we, uh, in the transmission section, and uh, I guess um, you and I also went to an Australian Institute of Energy uh, um, seminar the night before that discussed the same topic. And so, you know, for me, the major takeaway remains uh, as um, as the sponsor of the conference, uh, John Titchen from Goldwyn pointed out that everyone knew we were going to get to 20% uh, renewables uh, and most of it was going to be wind and solar. And yet no one did anything about the transmission uh, in advance, even though it is blindingly obvious. If, you, if, we, if Australia had gone into the Second World War uh, with this kind of planning, uh, we'd have been wiped out within months. Well, there you go. Um, well, I kind of agree with you. In, in, in some way, um, in, in some way, I think it's almost like the sort of the incumbent and the coalition's revenge. Uh, basically, they tried to stop the renewable deployment and, and couldn't. Now we're heading to twenty-five or even thirty percent um, renewable energy share if you include rooftop solar. And basically, the um, the doors are going to close now. Is that that was made pretty much clear? We're going to have to wait for some new transmission to be built. Now, AEMO is trying to hurry along the process, but um, I don't see much urgency from anybody else um, in, um, in the incumbent institutions. Well, I mean, I I think th- Charles, going- you know, on this RIT process, we've had the stage one uh, bits and pieces, which are the, basically in, involved the New South Wales upgrades at both ends of New South Wales. And they've gone off to the AER to have, you know, like after the ISP's done its work, after everyone, uh, even before the ISP, we all knew we needed it. Liddell's closing. I mean, how much thinking do you need to do? But it's been in the AR for uh, for months and months and months. I know, but that and, and that's exactly the um, the same process. And um, it was kind of interesting. I mean, you talked about Kogarty, and for people who don't know, that's um, it's not an Italian uh, motorbike, as the joke was said quite often during the conference. Um, it stands for something like this sort of, um, it's, it's trying to bring together um, the coordination of generation and transmission investment. And I think that roughly makes an acronym called COGATI. Um, AEMC, as is their want, is trying to come up with a purely market-based scheme for that. And it was interesting, look at the face of the um, AEMO chat when we went to that conference. The um, the economists from the AEMC were just sort of saying, oh, we've got this great market idea, we've got this transmission hedge and people will buy a transmission hedge and that will allow them to send a market signal, they'll help pay for the new transmission and um, that'll send a market signal, blah, blah, 
blah, blah, blah, blah. And the guy just looked at me and going, well, hang on, <laughs> hang on. We actually want to create new renewable energy zones in places where there currently is are no wind and solar farms. Who the hell is going to buy a transmission hedge for that? And secondly, that might have worked when we had a coal-fired generator, gas-fired generators, which took years and years and years to build, much longer than transmission lines. Now it's the other way around. Um, and we've already fallen behind, as you point out, David. Yeah, look, there are hundreds of issues with this Kogarty uh, proposal as it currently stands. Uh, the only, I won't talk too much about it here because you, you need to read about it rather than talk about it. The only observation I'd make in the transmission session where there were two transmission companies and two uh, wind and solar generators represented, uh, there was, uh, you know, thumbs down was pretty much the universal response there. Yes, yeah, look, um, look, I'd agree. And look, and that was the overall theme of the conference. So it was interesting, you know, there's about 800 people there. Most people were quite cheerful and quite positive because they've all got things to do. You know, they're trying to sort of finish or complete or start building their projects that they've lined up um, to meet either the renewable energy target, the state-based targets, or even corporate PPAs. But I just sort of think in a year or two's time, if there's not much progress, then the, those faces are going to get longer and um, look quite... Um, uh, just before quite, before, quite, before we uh, move on to a different, getting too depressed, I want to point out, I, I also went to a, a very good uh, session talking about uh, integrating storage uh, into the grid. And this covered both the very long duration pumped hydro, particularly Hydro Tasmania's approach, where, where they see, you know, a good, uh, a good gigawatt or two of, of, of pumped hydro that they can build for a million and a half a megawatt, which is pretty cheap for pumped hydro. Trouble is, the still one, even with another bass leak, you still couldn't get it all to the mainland. But on the other end of the scale, probably just as exciting, and I bet we'll see some investment in this area, um, um, is in the five-minute market, which starts in, what is it, 2021, uh, where the thought is you can use a battery with a very short duration, so you reduce the battery's cost. You might have a 15-minute battery uh, that can still do a great job in arbitraging out five-minute prices and could also get into the fast-frequency market, another thing we can't talk about because we don't have one in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, look, um, yeah, no, that, that, that's right. Look, I was actually just going to say, look, it, it was it was quite um, um, the, the the big absence hanging over the um, hanging over this conference was um, the fact that there was no representation from the federal government. Um, Angus Taylor said he was um, Parliament was sitting and he couldn't possibly take a flight up um, in the evening and do a dinner thing like Josh Frydenberg used to do. Um, probably not a surprise. He might have um, people might have sort of been throwing some sort of rotten tomatoes at him. I think if he had turned no, up, but I, mean, I, 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 I don't does. think that would happen. I think. Uh, you know, let's well. let's let's give him a, a Angus Taylor. Let's be very clear. He's running a very deliberate strategy, uh, as has been made clear to all and by Kane Thornton and lots of other people. There is no meetings going on of COAG. I know we're going to hear some more about that. He is running a strategy of removing himself from the industry altogether and simply running his own idea of how the thing should be run, listening to his own people with what seems to me no input consultation or anything else from, from the industry at, at large. And, you know, it's a completely uh, parallel or seemingly parallel universe, uh, but it's going to intersect at some point. And, uh, you know, what I'm looking forward to that, that intersection. 
<laughs> well, it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because, I mean, I was sort of thinking at one stage, just thinking, well, maybe the best we can hope from this government is that it gets out of the way and just let other people get on and do it. But I guess the problem, the fact that it doesn't actually have a vision and doesn't actually want to get involved means that all these processes that we're talking about, all this reform of the markets or the new um, investment that in transmission we need, um, all these new rules that we need into the market pretty soon to sort of deal with the new technologies and the five-minute rule and demand response. It's not going as quick as it might be because there isn't that overlying vision. And I just imagine what it would have been like had we had a government um, actually open to this process. So I think you know them being out of the way is not enough. Um, I think it's actually going to be a massive handbrake um, and simply because some of the people who don't want to go pretty fast feel perfectly justified in not going very and fast. So, and so some we, of those people are key players. That brings us back to the state government. Uh, Giles and you, you know we know that Queensland are sort of running along with a two-year-old uh, 400 megawatt uh, sort of procurement um, that you know I personally think they just released because they were taking a lot of blowback from uh, from from part of their voter base uh, and so they just wanted to get <laughs> get. I think I think I think you might be right that I've been talking to a few de developers and all of them only heard about it the day before. Um, some of them sort of were said, um, "Is your project actually still a um, still a candidate for this thing?" I think, "Well, no, we've actually built it." No, well, I think that they're talking about another stage. Uh, just on that. No, 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 no. That's a different one, actually. No, somebody else said, no, actually, we've already built ours. And um, look, I think the one that we did talk about another stage, I just think that um, they thought very quickly on their feet and thought, oh, let's build another well, stage. Well, that's probably right, Giles. So. And then we come to the... So, so Queensland, Victoria's proceeding along. South Australia's where it is. And, uh, uh, and that brings us to New South Wales, uh, where we heard some very brave talk. And it's the second time I've heard that from the new New South Wales minister, the trouble is, when you look at the reality, I mean, he said uh, that he wants it to be the, New South Wales to be the easiest place to <laughs> connect a new renewable uh, site in, in the whole of the OECD. Well, I mean, it, it, it's just total bullshit. You know, I mean, I don't. I, and in saying that it's total bullshit, I don't. I'm not necessarily saying that that's not what he wants. But the reality is, and I spoke to several generators, New South Wales is the worst place to get connected uh, for all the rules and red tape. And it's obviously got some of the biggest transmission constraints uh, anywhere around as well. It is it is completely hopeless in New South Wales at the moment. What, oh, oh, look, I've got to say about New South Wales energy ministers, they make bloody good speeches. Um, you know, um, Don Harwin made some of the best speeches and, um, you know, um, Matt Keane's obviously following in his thing and making best speeches. But as you say, all you've got to do is look on the transgrid map and they make it very clear. There's zero capacity here, there's zero capacity there, there's zero capacity there, and there's only little capacity elsewhere. So um, he needs those renewable energy zones to be built. He needs the extra transmission. Um, once again, he's banging his head against the brick wall. Um, which is the um, the federal government. And, and so, Giles, you know, this is the point here. Um, uh, in transmission, uh, dis despite what uh, John Pearce at the AEMC wants, there's another view of it that's represented by the ISP, the Integrated System Plan, which which says that you actually should take a centralised view of transmission to cut, to cut right to the bone about it. And if you take the next step, if you've got a long regulatory process and no one wants to invest any dollars before you get into that process, then that's where the role is for government to step in and essentially provide the capital up front, as government does in many other areas from land division to toll roads occasionally to, to lots of things. And it would be a sign that New South Wales actually had some seriousness uh, about the issue and 
As we know, Liddell is going to close. New South Wales is dependent on imports. There is an inquiry in New South Wales about what needs to be done. But the, frankly, the time for inquiries is past. Someone needs to actually put some dollars on the table and some dollars for transmission would be a bloody good starting place. We could get things going tomorrow. Absolutely. And um, one of those uh, first projects that's going to um, happen, hopefully, and we'll ha hopefully hear, hear back soon. Well, we've got the... Um, We've got the Victoria um, Northwest um, Northwest Victoria plans. Um, once again, AEMO's waiting for the um, regulator to decide on that. They're waiting on the regulator to decide on the South Australia to New South Wales one. Once that once that gets built, it's going to be fascinating because South Australia is really going to be a um, a test case for the um, well, not a, not a test case. Actually, just sort of showing it's already at fifty percent renewables. I was talking to some of the AEMO people while I was there. They've had up to one hundred and forty three percent penetration of renewables at some stages. At that stage, exporting a lot back to um, Victoria. These are the things which are just not contemplated elsewhere in the world. Um, it's um, fascinating. Um, it's um, really interesting. Look, um, Victoria is interesting. Um, I actually spent about um, 10 minutes with Lily D'Ambrosio uh, on the sidelines of the conference. Um, she made, um, look, I missed her speech, but I think it was reasonably good. Um, it was sort of complaining mostly about the um, lack of progress or the lack of pace and rule changes, which I think um, she and others have found frustrating, and we might talk about that. But um, there's also the issue in Victoria about their solar rebate scheme, and um, you know, $1.3 billion 10-year rebate scheme, but it looks like they've um, really created enormous amounts of problems. Let's have a listen to um, Lily D'Ambrosio here. Minister D'Ambrosio, the, um, the, um, the second round or, or the next round of the rebates is opening tomorrow. Uh, it would be interesting to see how quickly those rebates fly out the door. They're obviously very popular, but there's a lot of pressure for changing in the system. Um, is there any consideration by the government to make modifications as requested by many people in the industry? Well, we've been absolutely uh, overwhelmed by the popularity of the rebate uh, system, by the rebate scheme. Uh, Victorians are, are flocking to it, Victorians who otherwise would not have been able to afford or to find the money to enter into the market. So we're actually seeing that the scheme is actually bringing people to the market that otherwise wouldn't have made, uh, that taken that next step to actually invest for you know, a solar panel uh, a generator on their roof. So it's been very, very successful in that regard. Uh, we've been working very closely for a long time now with uh, the industry to uh, to uh, make uh, adjustments to uh, the way that the program has been uh, rolled out, uh, making it easier for consumers at the interface to be able to engage and, and, um, and claim rebates, as well as providing a whole range of uh, seminars, webinars, workshops uh, with the industry uh, to get them, I suppose, accustomed to the way that the scheme uh, operates. And we do have to remember that uh, the program has been designed uh, with uh, three important features uh, at, as priorities. One is safety. Uh, one is the next one is quality, of course, uh, safe, safety, quality, and uh, and accessibility to it. And uh, we, we can see that uh, from August last year, uh, we've had thousands of Victorians um, vote with their feet and, and, and apply for the rebates. And, and they're actually now starting to save significant dollars off their energy bills as a result. 
Well, there's no doubt about the popularity of the scheme and the savings that people can make. I guess the solar industry is worried that it acts, it, the, the way it's structured acts as kind of like a cap on the amount of solar that's being installed in the state, and they're pushing for a relaxation, maybe of, um, or a tightening maybe of the income threshold limits and maybe an accelerated rollout now and tightening that later. Well, uh, I, I think. Uh we shouldn't be confusing uh, the number of rebates that are released uh, monthly by the government with uh, the opportunities in the market uh, for the industry. Uh, the industry uh, is not a hundred is not made up a hundred percent by rebates. Uh, there are many. There is a, a significant market outside of the rebate uh, program, uh, including people who earn more than one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year combined income. Uh, there is, of course, the commercial and industrial sector, which is growing uh, every day. There are significant opportunities uh, for, uh, for the market uh, that are at, outside of that rebate program. So the notion that somehow I there is a cap is, is incorrect. If data came out to su suggest that there was an effective cap, because that's what was happening in the STC market, would any consideration be given to changes then? We've been very clear that uh, the program that uh, we first announced back in August and now have got, um, got in place uh, a much easier to access rebate at the point of sale, uh, making it easier for consumers, uh, is, is, is absolutely uh, getting uh, the results that we intended. More people being able to make a decision to buy solar panels, save money. People that otherwise would not have invested because they didn't have the upfront cost to actually enter the market. So the market is being uh, expanded as a result of our rebate program uh, and our commitment is to uh, continue to uh, roll out and make available um, uh, a program that Victorians are absolutely delighted with. At the same time, we will continue to work with industry have the conversations about how we can make it easier for them to make the adjustments uh, and to also look at helping them to diversify opportunities for them to gain um, shares, share of the market that sits outside of the rebate program. Can we just let me talk about broader sort of um, energy policy issues? Um, have you talked to the Federal Minister recently? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I've not had the opportunity to have a conversation with the Federal Minister for Energy, um, but uh, our government has got a very, very strong um, uh, program uh, of uh, transitioning our energy system to decarbonising it, uh, and uh, you know we're, we're getting on with it now. If, if there's a conversation that the federal minister wants to have with Victoria, you know I'm always I always stand ready to have those conversations. Are you frustrated by the fact there's been no coag meeting scheduled or, um, or, or or called or even scheduled? And, and what's the impact of that? Well, I think uh, that the failure of the federal minister who chairs the coag energy council to call a meeting is really a, a symptom or a sign of a lack of any policy direction that they hold, um, which uh, is disappointing. Um, so, and, and, and I think um, uh, what my focus is, of course, is, is uh, engaging with other states uh, to discuss areas where we have mutual interest uh, and vision to be able to make uh, take steps to uh, deliver on the objectives that uh, we each have for our own state. So last week I, I met with Guy Barnett, today I'm, I'm uh, meeting with um, Matt Keane and, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to opportunities to meet uh, with Queensland and South Australia in due course.
possibly a loosely structured scheme amongst the states to, to um, achieve emissions reductions? Look, I think what's critical here is that I think it's, it's becoming uh, more obvious uh, as time goes by that uh, there, there, are, there are opportunities available to the states um, given that uh, we, to an extent, we do uh, share some common views about uh, how, our, uh, uh, how our national energy market uh, ought to be placed to better facilitate uh, and better prepare for the transition. We're not at the point where our, we can have uh, absolute confidence in uh, the way that our markets operate uh, and the way that the rules uh, that govern the markets uh, are actually functioning uh, to give us the confidence that the market will simply respond and, and do everything for that, that needs to be done in, the tra- in assisting with the transition to make it as smooth as it needs to be. You've been very critical about the slow pace of rule changing and, and, and rule making. You mentioned demand response this morning, um, and, but generally, I think it's generally recognised that the rules have failed to catch up with the technology. I think there's been um, a misplaced, in some quarters, there's been a misplaced uh, belief that uh, the rules that were set more than 20 years ago, uh, a set and forget set of rules, uh, ha- are sufficient to have. Uh, enabled the market to respond in the way that it puts the consumers at, uh, at the top of the list in terms of uh, priorities. Uh, I think the market has demonstrated that it can't do that um, and, and that is absolutely a clear signal that governments need to play a role to, in- to, to ensure that uh, the transition that is with us uh, that is seems to be accepted right across a whole mm. number of states is uh, uh, is need the only the, the best way that we can manage this transition is to actually ensure that uh, uh, we have a well planned way of achieving the outcomes that we need to do and that is to decarbonise the energy sector uh, and that governments need to play and must play uh, an important role in helping to facilitate the transition so that it it, it um, it mitigates against volatility in pricing. It, it mitigates against um, shortness of uh, security of well, security of supply challenges and reliability. Mm. It can all be managed, but we need uh, to be pulling in the same direction. AEMO just released its um, um, recommendations for network upgrades in Victoria. Are you happy with that process? And are you still confident that you can meet the goals that you have set yourself, 40% renewables by 2025 and 50% by 2030? Absolutely. Our commitment is uh, as it stands, and we are already, we are already enjoying the significant benefits uh, from that very strong national leading uh, policy uh, where we have not just a lot of projects that with planning approval but a lot of projects that are actually now under construction that's the real test uh, the real test of a successful policy uh, and we're leading the way on that the market operator is, is doing a fantastic job uh, in in managing uh, the challenges that we've got but they need to be empowered by uh, more strategically designed rules uh, that equip it to uh, have the, all of the the planning in place uh, that we need so that we mitigate against, um, you know, the difficulties that otherwise would be uh, in front of us. Mm. And one final question. Um, you've just done, run a successful auction um, last year. Well, there, is, is there another auction upcoming for large-scale renewables um, and or storage? Well, we certainly have a lot on our plate, Giles, as you know. I mean, we've got the, the six large projects that that are being built uh, right now as we speak. Uh, we've got uh, the Solar Homes Program, which is 
uh, going to grow our renewable energy uh, uh, generation by more than two gigawatts, far more than two gigawatts over a 10-year period. And, uh, you know, certainly uh, we're already, we're, we're starting to do the planning about uh, what is needed for us to achieve, of course, uh, our 50% renewable target by 2030. So there's lots of things in the mix. That was Lily D'Ambrosio, the Energy Minister from Victoria. Um, I just should point out that um, we've done a couple of other interviews on our Solar Insiders podcast, one with, with with Solar Victoria, who were actually implementing the scheme and they were defending it a week ago. And then um, earlier on this week, we um, did an um, interview with uh, Nigel Morris and also John Grimes from um, the Smart Energy Council about you know why it was so problem. And look, that seems to have come out today. Um, basically, the rebate um, was exhausted in 90 minutes. It was like trying to get a... Um, like trying to get a ticket for Beyonce or another concert, it's um, quite ridiculous, and that means that's it for the that's it for the Victorian solar market for the next month. No, maybe we should be renting camping spots for the next rebate, uh, Giles. You know, we could probably make a lot of rent on the sidelines there. Well, I'm not too sure whether you can arbitrage that, but um, certainly a lot of very frustrated people down there. It's just a bit of a shame that the things going awry. Um, look elsewhere. Um, look, I, I, you know, it's it's quite stunning that um, Lily hasn't had a um, yeah, basically hasn't spoken to um, Angus Taylor since. We don't have, we haven't had a Coag Energy minister, Ministers meeting for eight months, and um, we have nothing on the horizon, nothing on the agenda. No, I think it's pretty clear that all of the states have got renewable targets, uh, pretty much, maybe not Tasmania, I'm not quite aware of their policy. Um, and if uh, Angus went along to a COAG meeting, he, he, he would probably be outnumbered. But look, we, we're not going to change that. As I said, um, look, the optimist in me uh, wants to say that things are just going to proceed. They never proceed in entirely a straight line. Um, we have actually made a huge amount of progress over the past 12 months, and there is some inertia <laughs> in, the, in the pace of development going on right now uh, that will keep, keep us moving. Uh, but, uh, but uh, uh, and cost is in, on our favour uh, as well. Um, so all those things are good. Um, yeah. and, and, and let's and things don't ever go in a straight line, you know, Giles. No, that's true. Look, I'm um, just looking forward for the next week, um, 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 David. Um, look, a couple of projects are coming up. I think um, uh, AGL were today. They were sort of showing off the um, Cooper's Gap Wind Farm in Victoria, which um, you've actually. Written no, I think about. in Queensland, isn't it? I know, oh, that's what I meant. No, I was, I, I was picturing Queensland and said Victoria. So look, I, I did know that because you you wrote about it last last week. Um, you know, the varying um, and, and it's interesting what's happening with Queensland and. Um, the um, what's the word when it's not matched properly? I can't well, remember. There, there is still, and this is the, the point. There is still the correlation. There is, there is still some big wind farms to come, Giles, uh, on 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 online. Yeah, um, I don't think Dudonald's finally finally fully online in Victoria, and obviously Stockyard Hill is five hundred megawatts. It's four hundred and something megawatts uh, at Cooper's Gap. I mean, that, that that's a lot of power still to hit the system. So as I say, things will keep moving for a while. Absolutely. And of course, we've got the the rooftop market. Despite uh, um, perhaps partly because of Victoria still keeps moving along, we've also got the New South Wales battery scheme. Um, I'm hoping to uh, talk to a few of the people in the industry and maybe we can have some of that next week uh, uh, to see what some more views are. Uh, meanwhile, let's, uh, as the Grateful Dead used to say, keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. Yeah, very good. Um, look, um, look, a few things to watch out for in the next week just as we're wrapping up. Um, AEMO is going to be very busy. One, they're going to issue their quarterly dynamics report, which is usually a um, fantastic lot of information about um, the performance over the last three months, um, some of which has already been analysed by the likes of you, but um, 
um, interesting to get their perspective. There's also going to be the ISU, which is the um, Statement of Opportunities, and that's going to be really interesting to see um, what they're looking at over the next um, one, two, three, and even 10 years, and possible shortfalls in capacity, if at all. Um, it's going to be keenly watched. And there's also going to be the... Um, also going to be the scenarios for the updated integrated system plan. And this is going to be interesting because there's going to be a Paris climate um, scenario. So it's going to be a bit like the IEA, actually, um, David. They're going to do a scenario about what we need to do if we're going to meet the Paris climate change. So, you know, between 1.5 and 2 degrees. And that essentially means a decarbonised grid by 2050. It might not be 100% renewable, but it'd be, you know, 95% decarbonised. It needs a heck of a lot more progress by 2030 than, uh, than, than um, uh, the Deputy Claire Savage envisages, I'll tell you that much. Well, that's exactly right, yes, the Deputy Chair of the um, Energy Security Board. Um, but it'll be interesting, Simon Corbell um, raised that point, raised an interesting point in his um, in his presentation um, on the first afternoon. Just sort of what, what a great award he got, by the way, and oh. so well deserved. But anyway, go on, Charles. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he raised the point that, okay, that's great that they're doing that sort of Paris climate scenario, but the centralised scenario remains the one that just sort of takes us to hell in a handbasket um, as far as temperatures goes. And um, you know, and, and it's interesting, IEA have now been criticised by a lot of people, including the industry and scientists and um, analysts and, and investors, saying your centralised scenario basically enables and helps other people to justify their sort of, you know, stand fast position. So um, it's going to be an interesting debate. Anyway, we'll see what happens out of that. Um, and um, um, I think that's about that's... it, I think, Giles. That's uh, goodbye from uh, you and goodbye from me. And oh. thanks again to our sponsors. Oh, look, thanks for our sponsors, absolutely. Solaray Energy um, and, of course, um, Evergen, who came on board a couple of weeks ago. Um, Solaray, I bumped into those guys um, over the uh, at the conference and fantastic. They're, they're on board. I'm going to do one more plug, and that's for our electric vehicle conference at the end of August. We've actually got a really good lineup of sort of networks, policymakers, analysts, economists, um, car makers, charging station people. Half the tickets have already gone, which is fantastic. So if you want to see it, get in quick. Um, it's going to be a good one. Thanks, David. Are you get, giving away an electric vehicle there? Uh, um, we're not quite in the stage of that, though. Um, but um, anyway, I, I drove a leaf last weekend, but you can have to listen to the Driven Podcast to hear about that. So there you go. Thanks very much, Charles. All right. Bye now. Energy Insiders was brought to you by Evergen providing fully integrated and optimised energy intelligence and storage for residential and commercial sites. With technology developed in Australia with the CSIRO, Evergen customers can maximise the return on their sustainable energy investment. Visit evergen.com.au and take control of your energy bills. Energy Insiders is also sponsored by Solaray Energy, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring. They're the smart choice for consumers and business. Visit solaray.com.au and secure your energy future today.